Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Coming up, Lab and I break out the crystal ball and tell you what to expect in 2021. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. There was some news this morning. Callaway Golf announced that they have signed really the year's most high-profile high free agent, John Rahm, to a multi-year endorsement deal. It was one of the things, Lab, that you and I have talked about in the past, but you've seen high-profile players make this kind of jump before. But the one thing that Rahm said that motivated him was he was immediately comfortable with the Chrome Soft Golf Ball. And that's very, very important with a player at this level. And we're going to be able to see immediately that comfort level. He's in the field this week at the Century Tournament of Champions, the year opener in Maui. I'd have to say he's one of the favorites. Lab, happy new year. Would you agree with that? And if not, uh, who would you make one of your favorites? I would certainly say that John Rahm is, is one of the favorites, the number two ranked player in the world. And I thought it was telling Rex that in the second paragraph of this Callaway Golf press release, John Rahm, said that he shot a 59 in his first round with this new setup. Obviously, that's just a practice round with his new Travis Matthew gear and his new clubs, and we're going to see how it actually goes when he has a pencil and a scorecard in his hand. But this week at Kapalua, he's going to debut the Woods, going to debut the Irons, uh, and the golf ball. And so I think there's always a little bit of a transition period. We've seen that over the past five to ten years with some high-profile players who have made the change, whether it was Roy McIlroy or Justin Rose or Sergio Garcia or even Tiger Woods. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how Rom is going to play this week. It's going to be bombs away at Kapalua, just like it is every year. But Rex, Rom may have new gear, but I still want to see if DJ's red hot following the offseason break. And I want to see if Bryson DeChambeau is indeed going to put that 48-inch driver in the bag this week at Kapalua, where 400-yard drives are already the regular. And yeah, it's, it's a fun golf course. It's a fun way to start the year because, as you pointed out, I mean, guys can just let it rip. I mean, that golf course is absolutely huge. You can hit it all over the lot. And DJ and Bryson are two of the players we're going to talk about when we start looking ahead to 2021 and what to expect this year. So I don't want to focus too much on them. But the one part that I do want to bring up is that the field this weekend, Maui, is 42 players. That is the most ever. And it has to do with a bit of a change with the way the criteria is for eligibility. Usually it's a winners only event. However, because of COVID-19 and the quarantine and events that weren't played. They opened the field up to anyone who qualified for the tour championship, top 30 and FedEx cup points. So we ended up with 42 players, which do you, I think. Do you, do you like this, Rex? Do you like this I, expanded field? I do simply because I've been in Maui a couple of times. And certainly when you're there, you get the idea that it's almost like a sleepy event. You feel like you're sort of literally and figuratively on an island you, you don't feel like it it has that sort of buzz that you would like to see of an opening day and so by expanding it just a little bit i mean 42 players is not a, a huge field but if if they did not expand it i think it would end up being 22 players if i did the math correctly and i just don't think that's a 
good representation of what last season was. And I think given the situation, I don't know that I want to see it going forward, to be honest with you, simply because winning is kind of a big deal on the PGA Tour. And this is one of those perks, this getting into the Masters and having an opportunity to get to Eastlake, that comes with winning. It's a big deal. So I don't know if I want to see this be a constant. I don't know if I want to see it time after time. But certainly this year, given what happened in 2020, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, and look, I I still think the best scenario for the Tournament of Champions is, is an event that includes players from both the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour that won the previous year. That's the event that I'd like to see at Kapalua this year. I'm, I'm totally fine with having the expanded field. As you mentioned, it's, it's probably only, what, 10 players more than the usual year that you would have. I know this year was a little bit different because you're probably less than half months and yeah. chunks. But, but, yeah, you're looking at probably 10 or so players. And so, yeah, it feels a little bit weird that you have players who we talked about so often in 2020 who ended up not winning, whether it was Scotty Scheffler or Tony Finau or Harris English, some of those big-name players who continually knocked on the door and didn't get it done go into an event that is that is winners only i'm fine this just as being a one-off i think it's going to be a, a better tournament just having a little bit stronger field as you mentioned last couple of years has been a little sleepy but i also don't like going for the idea of devaluing a win mm-hmm. winning should be important on the pga tour and i'd like to see it winners only uh i would just like to see it expanded with the lpga tour as well and that's been brought up a lot. You're going to drop it every year, probably in the first bo- bro- uh, podcast of the year, because it seems to me you're going to camp on that one. So you seem to be very, very hip on it. I don't know if the PGA Tour really has that in their sights right now. Certainly, they've talked about having some sort of combo event, and this would be an easy one. It seems to me this would be a natural one. The LPGA doesn't have anything on their schedule right now. It seems to me you could get all of their top players in one spot. We'll have to wait and see how, how that plays out. Uh, but the one thing is going forward, as we look into the crystal ball, as editors love to do, and our editor Mercer Bags really loves to do this, is give us a list of questions that he feels like are the important questions that he wants answered for 2021. There was two that stuck out. So I'm going to start with those two just to have fun with this. And th- this one's even, this is the most editor thing of all editor things was Bryson will break blank this year. And then he gives you multiple choice, which is like being back in high school for me. It's fantastic. It's his driving record. Major scoring marks. Those were just those were just suggestions. The internet, his mind, and I'm, I was mad that he stole the internet because I truly believe that's what Bryson is going to break because we saw it so much last year, and he's only going to get bigger. I can only imagine when we see him this week in Maui, it's going to look like the guy who ate Bryson DeChambeau because it seems to me he's only going to be another twenty or thirty pounds heavier. He's going to be hitting it another 20 or 30 yards. It's just going to be this evolution until he turns into a large green monster and eats all the golf courses. I, I know you're old and aren't really hip to social media, but we've seen what Bryson DeChambeau looks like over the past couple of months. He's not that much bigger. I'm sure he's probably going to say he's going to show up this week at Kapalua and tell reporters that he's five to 10 pounds bigger, but he looks like virtually the same player. I'm more interested to see what his speed training looked like, not necessarily how many protein shakes he's consuming, but just how fast he can crank it up. He got really close to averaging 200 miles per hour with ball speed last year, whether that translates to a, a, an actual victory remains to be seen, but dudes who are pumping out that type of velocity in ball speed are going to hit the ball an ungodly distance. And so my prediction and the answer to that question to me is that he's going to break the 330 yard driving distance mark last year or last season in a, a pandemic shortened season where he's missing three and a half months. He averaged about 322 yards so far in this limited action and he's played only a couple of times in environments that were pretty conducive to hitting the ball far, uh, such as Las Vegas, he's averaging 337 yards per drive. 
that's nearly 15 yards farther than his 2019-20 driving distance average. So I'm going to predict that he stays above the 330-yard threshold, which would shatter uh, what is already his own PGA Tour driving distance record. I agree with that, but it seems like it's low-hanging fruit. That seems obvious that he's just going to continue to hit the ball, you know, monstrous distances year after year after year. I don't see how that stops. The reason I say the internet is because if you go through last year, and it was a fun exercise at the end of last year to kind of go through and look at Bryson's seasons. There were a lot of ups and a lot of downs, and it was just a roller coaster, and I think he enjoys that. I think there was part of him that loves being in the spotlight for either the right reasons or the wrong reasons. And you mentioned one thing, is that the distance debate is only going to fester. It's only going to become more and more of a talking point among everyone in the game. It's only going to become more and more of a concern for the rule makers and the historians and the traditionalists who don't like what they see Bryson DeChambeau doing. So that's going to become a bigger issue and he's going to be at the center of it. Also, slow play is going to become a bigger issue for right or wrong. And they're he's going not to start that slow anymore. We're going to find out the pace of play policy that the PGA tour planned to enact last season, but got postponed because of COVID-19 goes into effect this week. And it's going to be very, very easy for us to see exactly who's on that, that watch list is what they call it because they're going to be singled out. They're going to have essentially a rules official with a stopwatch with them all the time. So it's going to be easy to identify these players and more than likely I would say at least early in the season, Bryson's going to be part of the problem. So for all of these reasons going forward, I truly believe that he is going to break the internet. The other story that Mercer threw in our direction that is always sort of a wide open, you know, a mixed bag here is what will be the biggest story in 2021. I'll leave that one to you first. Biggest story of 2021. So for me, I answered this one as the race to make the Ryder Cup team. And, and to me, the Ryder Cup, when it's played every two years, is always the biggest story in golf. It, it's always the biggest tournament in golf. I know the Masters, everyone always looks forward to it. The Olympics this year is, is a once-in-every-four-year occasion. But to me, the Ryder Cup is the biggest event in golf. It's what we love to cover as golf writers. It's what we love to watch as sports fans. Um, and it's what the Americans and Europeans love to play on. And so this year, I think, especially, the, the race to make that team is going to be uh, especially difficult. I think when you think about some of the young players who could be infused into, into those rosters on the American side with Colin Morikawa, Matthew Wolf, Scotty Scheffler, you're going to have some infusion of new blood. And what does that mean for some of the old stalwarts like Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods and, and even Ricky Fowler, who's on a, um, a little bit of downturn now uh, in form. On the European side, we thought maybe two years ago was going to be kind of the the last stand for for players like Sergio Garcia and Henrik Stenson and Ian Poulter I mean Lee Westwood in 2018 was an assistant captain for the European side now he's just so happened to win the race to Dubai in 2020 so on even on the on the Euro side is this the year they finally move on or do some of those aging warriors summon a little bit of good form this summer uh, and crack one last team and make it in whistling straight. So to me, that's going to be the story of 2021 is players vying for those very precious roster spots. Here we are. First podcast of the year, and you're already campaigning for Morikawa, Matthew Wolf, and Westwood. Since, since, since and I think Westwood. in the final in the final podcast of 2020, you absolutely dumped on Lee Westwood, and then he went out in Dubai and won. I, I still don't know if he makes the team. 
it seems obvious that he will make the team. I don't know if I'd want him on that team. And it seems to me if he does, that this will be the swan. I'm not song. saying so you would... want him on that team. I wouldn't want him to face a four footer that you absolutely have to make to win no. your match or at least secure no. a half point. But I think he's and going he's to be, be a very on good that captain team. one day. And I'm, I'm not dismissing that. I just don't know. Europeans need to move forward more so than the Americans. And I know move you're forward. Going... He's the European number one. But that's, that's he would be the reigning good. European but number one. one you, you got, you're actually going to leave him off? Uh, no, I, as it stands right now. I mean, who knows what's going to happen six, seven, eight months from now when they sit down to make the teams. As of right now, absolutely not. You can't leave him off. I just don't. It, he's not the one, as you just pointed out, that I want in that last match with the cup on the line. Whether if it's a four-foot that's, that's, that's why you guys sent him out like third. Yes, yes. You need to provide some cover. Uh, I, and I fell back on when, when the biggest story of the year, and this is going to be total double Debbie Downer. Here, but COVID-19. And I, I say that only because we sit and watch what's happening in, in the NFL. I don't know about you, but I, I, my fantasy team was decimated by COVID-19 last week, and I had a playoff chance. I had a chance to win the league, and they were decimated by COVID-19. College football is dealing with the same thing. If you look at this week in Maui, Jim Herman's not playing because he's dealing with COVID-19 issues. Uh, earlier this week, uh, Todd Lewis reported that Xander Shoffley had come down with COVID-19 in December. He has recovered. He is in the field in Maui. I just, we'd like to think it's behind us. We'd like to think that it's in the rearview mirror and that we're moving forward and that everything's only going to get better, but it's clearly still going to be an issue and it's still going to create headlines for us going forward. That is why, Brax, we need need to get into this because one of the questions on a punch shot is when will we see full crowds on tour in 2020? Now, the the key word there, Rex, is full, is full crowds. I wrote not saying that. partial crowds because we already know that's going to happen in Phoenix. We're not saying uh, more than even Phoenix, which I think Phoenix has an estimated cap of 8,000 a day. That's what they're kind of anticipating. So I, I think I think we're both expecting that Florida, which has some pretty aggressive uh, tactics when it comes to social distancing and large and large gatherings, I think they're going to open it up a little bit more. It, it'd be a surprise if if the Players Championship wasn't allowing, let's say, 15,000 or so a, a day. But we're talking about full crowds. We're talking about no restricted attendance. And to me, to me, I don't think that's going to happen until fall 2021 after the Ryder Cup. I still think the Ryder Cup is going to have somewhat of a restricted attendance. That's just my gut feeling on Jan- January 4th, is that I, I don't think you can that you can just have – 40 to 50,000 people streaming through the gates as usual, even if they, even if they are wearing masks. I, I, and I kind of wrote around it. I mean, my idea is that I feel like we're at least a year away from full crowd. So I guess next fall would be about that. And we can sit and go through it however comfortable you are. And I don't know if you end up in California, even next fall, if they're going to be comfortable having 10,000 people a day on a golf course, I just don't see that happening. Now, the closest I think we're going to get, at least in the short term, is going to be the players championship. And I've heard from multiple sources that the tour is looking at that. And again, not full crowds. And this isn't some sort of sentimental. The question journey. was, when will we see full crowds? You said the and, players. Well, I said at least. No, I did not say the players. My, my line That's the is. Answer. I'm looking at Hoggard, Hoggard, Colin, the players. That was your answer. Well, what's the second line after that there, Mr. Short? Full attention. crowds are probably still a year away. The question okay. is, when Thank will we see the line. full crowds? Full crowds. Yeah. 
some, and it won't be the player. That won't be at the players, but we'll get back to something closer to normal for two reasons. And this has nothing to do with sentimental value and trying to come full circle. We all know that's where everything sort of ended for the PGA Tour back in March when last time we had full crowds. It has more to do with what you just pointed out. Florida seems a little bit more open to embracing crowds and embracing getting back to something closer to normal. And, and by the spring, I think we're all hopeful that the vaccine and everything else that goes into this is has helped contain the virus a little bit more to the point. But no, absolutely not. There will not be full crowds at TPC Sawgrass. I don't know that we're going to have full crowds next season. I just don't know if we're going to be close to that. But we'll we'll get close by the fall. I do agree with that. And look, I still I still think, look, we, you and I both covered major championships last year. We both covered uh, just regular PJ Tour events. Um, I do think we're going to have a livelier atmosphere. I think we're going to have more energy. I think it's going to feel um, a little bit closer to normal on the back nine of Sunday of some of these big tournaments, just by having, whether it's 10 or 15 or 20,000 people there, it's going to feel better than it did in 2020. We talked on, on several podcasts, just how weird it felt. You know, you're, you're one of maybe 300 to 500 people out there. You know, you and I were both out there on Sunday at Augusta national. We're ringing the 18th green. There's nobody out there. And it was just kind of polite applause as, as, as DJ tapped in uh, for a blowout win. I think it's going to feel better in 2021. I'm with you. I don't think, you know, the ground's going to shake like it did when Tiger was making his charge in 2019. Uh, I don't think the Ryder Cup is going to be maybe quite as full-throated as it usually is, but the energy is going to be there. The atmosphere is going to be there. The nervousness of teeing it up on a Sunday with so much on the line is going to be there as well. Yeah, and one of the interesting things going forward is going to be Augusta National usually sends out their ticket request to patrons on January 1st. They did not do that. They sent an email saying that they're going to to hold off on that for the time being with the idea being that they're going to sit and wait and watch and hope things are better in April and that they can bring back some level of fans, whatever percentage that is, 10, 20, 30%. Uh, That to me is a telling sign considering that Augusta was one of the very first organizations to pull the plug on fans early in the pandemic. And they were very, very early pulling the plug on the tournament, pushing it to the fall last year as well. So the idea that I think they're looking ahead and they I think they feel like they have enough runway where they can wait a month, maybe a month and a half before they make this decision, that's probably boding well for golf and Augusta National. Because you're right, it didn't feel the same with whatever, 300 people ringing the 18th green. Now, th- now, this is a tricky one that he threw out there. He said best player of 2021. He's not talking about player of the year. He's not talking about FedEx Cup champion. This is just our definition of the best player of 2021. I don't know. Did you and I go the same route? I went with Dustin Johnson. Of course you went to, with Dustin Johnson. I knew – I absolutely knew talk. you were going to take Dustin Johnson talk, because you, you you like to take the easy way out. You That's like to have the guy who, the obvious who, way. The who who enters the new year. Let's see. He's gone T2, 1, 2, T3, T6, T2, 1. That is, those are Dustin Johnson's finishes as he enters 2021. So you so you expect him to keep on rolling with this Tiger-like level of dominance. Is that is that what you're saying? I'm saying you expect him not to like, tell me what, give me the weakness in his game that leads you to believe that he's not ready to do that again next year. To do this. I mean, it, it would be historic if he continued this stretch. You, you, you do realize that. I do, I mean, but again, some, show me the weakness in his some game. Some level of not prepared for that. Some level of regression is, is to be expected. Is it not? Why? Why? Yeah. Why? So you think, do you think DJ is capable of going on a, on a two, Tiger 2000, Tiger 2006, 2007 run. 
sustained no, I'm not getting unrealistic with it, but I don't know how he played. The reasons he's out of contention is what I want to hear. Is he not driving it well? Is he not putting it well? Is he not wedging it well? Because all of those things, he's doing very, very well. He's probably doing it better than anyone else in the game right now. And unless there is something, there's a flight of stairs that's waiting for him at Augusta for him to take another tumble down, I just don't see what's going to keep him from winning that. Now I'm going to wrap two of these questions into one. And the second question about DJ was, can he repeat at the Masters? I actually said no, simply because I think an April Masters is going to play closer to what we expect from Augusta National, and that's going to open up the field. And it's very, very hard to win back-to-back at the Masters. It's going to be an emotional week. Especially five months apart. Yeah, and it's going to be an emotional week for him. I think I'm going to let him off the hook for that one. But I just don't see what's going to keep him. Like I I would love to make an argument for someone else. I would love to make an argument for Rory or or – I mean, we can go down the list. John Rahm, uh, I, you just keep going. I just don't know how you can do it based on what DJ did to finish last season. I, I think I'm most interested in seeing his motivation level for 2021. The, the capturing that second major has kind of dogged him uh, ever since he won his first one in 2016. I think that was anticipated to be a moment, kind of a watershed uh, moment for, for Dustin. And, oh, boy, here comes – you know, the, the floodgates are going to open now and he's going to pick off majors um, that, that we long expected him to do. Of course, that didn't happen. And, you know, the weight of expectation kind of got to him now that he has won that long awaited second one. Now that he was has won the Masters, the tournament that he dearly wanted to win. How does he feel now entering 2021 age 36 season? Is he determined to go on a tiger like terror, as we just talked about? Or is he kind of content with coasting? I think it's reasonable to expect that he has probably a couple more years left in this peak prime window that he's in, uh, barring some kind of of injury uh, that he has dealt with over the course of his career. But I think he probably has two, three, two or three years left in this peak window um, before, you know, everyone just kind of fades at age 38, 39. Um, So I am curious to see that. But the answer to your question of who the best player, I picked Justin Thomas. And the reason I picked Justin Thomas, as I probably have every year since 2016, um, is that to me, he's the most complete player in the game. He is the, he was the widest arsenal of shots. Um, he's shown that repeatedly. And I think Justin Thomas said correctly that he was a few majors, that he was a few Sundays away from an absolutely monster 2020. Um, he still won twice. He still finished second twice. He still finished third twice. Um, but even to, to JT, it was a little bit disappointing the way that he finished off some tournaments. So if he can convert some of those, I'm not saying he has to convert all of those, but if he converts some of those, we're looking at a, a player who's going to win four, five, six times uh, in 2021. And knowing just how hot he burns and how badly he wants to be great, I'm not going to put it past him. Now, since we didn't mention this guy, this one transitions perfectly to another one of the questions. Is, will Rory win his first major in seven years? And I actually said yes. If you looked at Rory's world. You probably said yes every single year. I probably have. Just like you have chosen JT as the player of the year every year, I'm going with Rory. We all have our favorites, and you're going to continue to argue that Matthew Wolf and uh, Morikawa should be on the Ryder Cup team. We all have. They are going to be. We we all have our blind spots. There's no way around it. What about Hovland on the European team? I I was shocked you didn't throw that one out there. Okay. He's 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 a virtual lock. That yeah. There you go. I just wanted to complete the sentence for you. But yes, I think he does because. If you look at Rory's world before COVID-19 and the world came to a halt, he had finished in the top five of every single one of his starts to start the year, and he looked like he was going on one of those Rory runs. Now, that doesn't necessarily equate into a major championship, as he's learned over the last seven years, but 
as Tiger said about a million times over the course of his career, all you can do is put yourself into contention. And Rory's very, very good at putting himself into contention. And I think eventually he gets over the hump. I'd like to think that's at the Masters. I'm not quite sure if that's going to be the case. But, yes, I do think he wins a major in 2021. Look, I think we saw some signs of life out of Rory. Uh, Post-restart, post he was the first to admit that he, he lacked focus. He lacked energy. He kind of wondered why he was out there. And we saw him play pretty well at the U.S. Open. He had a decent chance there heading into the weekend. Saw him finish well at the Masters, of course, where he, he tied for fifth. But overall, overall, we saw a, a Rory in, in the summer of 2020 that, that looked totally unlike what we've come to expect from Rory. And that's a player who's one of the best iron players on the PGA Tour, uh, certainly a streaky putter. And he was, he was downright terrible with his irons in the late half of 2020. He was statistically the worst iron player in the Masters field. And he was statistically one of the worst putters on the PGA Tour in the fall. And so I think there's some major shortcomings of Rory's game that need to be addressed. And now if he does address those during these very brief offseason, yeah, my answer is probably going to be different. And I do think he will win a major in 2021. Uh, I'm just not, I'm just not there yet. And I, and I think I need to see more, especially in this, this first quarter of 2021. But I also think it's worth exploring when you look at the top 10 players in the world, what they all have in common is they're either a, a player like Dustin Johnson and Webb Simpson who already have their family life very much settled. Their kids are starting to grow up and they're getting, they've already established these, these new normals, what their family is going to be. Or you have a player like Bryson DeChambeau and Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley who are completely unencumbered by family responsibilities. They're, they're either not married or they don't have any children and they can just pursue greatness without limits. Rory McIlroy is very much, in the in-between period, a, a player who's a, adjusting to life as a dad, you and I have both gone through it, and I'm still going through it right now, but there is a difference uh, between the amount of attention and focus that you have as someone in Roy's position and someone who is in a position like Dustin Johnson and Webb Simpson or even JT and Bryson. Your thoughts, please. No, I think that's a good very it, – it, it's an element to Roy McIlroy that I think gets overlooked is that yes, having a family life is important to him and he's made it per absolutely clear. And it's probably going to take precedent over his competitive side, his professional side for at least the short term, because this is what matters to him the most. And you have to appreciate it. You have to respect that and take your hat off. The other side of this is, as you pointed out, all of those things statistically that you pointed out towards the end of last season, as we got out of the quarantine and into the rest of the pandemic, I think he was probably the most vocal when it came to he did not like playing in front of no crowds. He did not like being on the golf course and not having that buzz. And there was part of it that I think festered into his play. I think there was part of this that made last year much more of a grind than I think any other year in his career. And you could say the same thing about everyone. However, I would point to Tiger Woods and say, I think he probably enjoyed life without the fans, if I'm being honest. He didn't have to deal with a lot of things. He, he talked about the practice rounds were faster and he didn't have to deal with people moving during his swing. He didn't have to deal with getting from a green to a tee box. With Rory, I think he, it was different. So going into this season, it's going to continue to be a challenge. However, all of those things are going to start improving. The baby back home is, is a little bit older. He feels a little bit more comfortable leaving. He feels a little bit more comfortable going to the golf course and practicing getting out to the golf course where there's going to be fans, as we've talked about, I think that's going to make him feel more comfortable. And again, I would almost put him, despite all the stats you threw out there, 
I just think when it comes to the basic tools, you can come up with a top five list of guys. JT would be at the top of the list. I agree with you on that. DJ would be at the top of the list, and I would put Roy somewhere among that top five. If Roy continues to have slow starts in majors, which have dogged him ever since he won his last one in 2014, it's not going to matter about his family life. It's not going to matter about his iron play. It's not going to matter about his putting. If he does not start well, he is not going to win a major in 2021. It's it's begot it's it's become a point, and we saw it at Augusta National where he he was what ten shots better on day two. He said, "Where the hell did that come from?" With my first round 75, it's it's become a mental issue, not a physical issue. So that's something that I hope he at least explored uh, during the off season and will explore during the first quarter of 2021 as we head into Augusta. You have a Roy McIlroy bobblehead doll right next to you that looks like it's trying to give you a big hug. Just, just turn around and give it, give it a big hug. Come on. show him, There you go. Show him some love. There. I, feel, I feel like someone needs to give him a hug on Thursday morning of a major week. Probably. All right, we're going to finish up with the Ryder Cup because something tells me, and I am going to go out on a limb on this one, that 12 months from now we're sitting down having this year-opening podcast and we're talking about whatever it is that happened at the Ryder Cup. Maybe it was a, an American collapse. Maybe it was a comeback. Maybe it was – they created another task force because things aren't going well. Whatever it is, the Ryder Cup is always one of those things that creates headlines. It's always one of those things that we spend the next two or three months before we start the run up to Augusta National talking about what happened and how we fixed it. and How did it happen? So this year's Ryder Cup, give me your headline. So once again, you did not properly read the question and or just decided I didn't to like answer it. No, I read it. I didn't like it. Major storyline. It didn't say what's your, what's your prediction. Because you made a prediction, and your prediction, uh, as, as I think it is every year, well, wait, no, you, oh, you did pick the Americans. I did. Okay, so I would actually agree with that. I do, I do think oh, wow. the Americans are going to win. But I'm my main storyline of our podcast, good, very good. Yes. Okay, so my main storyline at this year's Ryder Cup, um, which is not a prediction, but I think it's just kind of the reality of the situation, is that Steve Stricker is going to have some serious fences to mend. And it, and it primarily centers around one player, and that one player is Brooks Kepka. He's going to be on the team, barring some kind of recurring issue with well, his hip or Patrick his knee. Reed? What about Bryson? I mean, I think there's a lot of yes. things going it to have to centers be around one player, and that player is Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka has a, has had issues with Bryson DeChambeau, who is just a frequent target of his of his barbs in both the press and on social media. No one trolls Bryson better than Brooks. Nobody. I would, to- I would totally agree with that, but that doesn't that doesn't fit well in a very small team room. Uh, Dustin Johnson, former workout partner, South Florida buddy, turned frenemy. Uh, of course, we all know how that went down the PGA Championship. And Patrick Reed, who who Brooks Kepka has accused of cheating uh, in the Bahamas in late 2019. Steve Stricker is one of the nicest guys in golf. He is non-confrontational. He wants everyone to be friends, everyone to hug. He wants to cry. He wants the team to be as close as humanly possible. And there is some serious friction and questions about team unity. And it centers around one player with Brooks Kepka. So if Steve Stricker's smart, and I'm sure he's already thought of this, he needs to somehow get these guys in a room and let bygones be bygones. Let's move forward for the good of the red, white, and blue. But until then, I think U.S. team unity is the biggest storyline to watch at this year's Ryder Cup. I think they've got some serious personality clashes. You glossed over my my main prediction for this year's Ryder Cup is that Steve, Steve Stricker is going to cry. He cried when oh, he got gonna the job. he's going to cry if he wins. He's going to he's gonna cry if he loses. He's going to cry if it's a tie. It's in Wisconsin. It's, it's been delayed a year. All of these things. Cry, he, cry, he, cry. He's going to cry, 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 cry. Look, he's an emotional guy. We all love Steve Stricker. I would agree. 
that's a good poll because there is going to be some friction. However, I think is a huge misnomer that that team has to get along, that you have to be 12 best buddies and you have to hang around and you have to sing Kumbaya and all of these things. That's not what has to happen. I have heard from numerous people that the European team are not best buddies. There are plenty of lines of friction in that team room. And yet over the years, they found a but way they to put play it together. aside for one week a year. Exactly. So the idea that somehow Brooks and Bryson have to patch up whatever rift they got between them, that they've got to fix this beef that's been going on now for over a year. I don't agree with that. Just go out and play hard. And you can say whatever you want about Patrick Reed. And look, he did not have a good president's cup in his last team outing. And I would probably not consider him high on anyone's list going forward as a potential captain's pick. However, that being said, if you put him into this team, just go out and play hard. I don't have to be friends with you. I think that is hugely overrated when it comes to these teams. And you wisely point out that this team probably has more rifts in it than what we've seen in recent years. I just don't buy into the narrative that, look, if this team doesn't find a way to all hug and hug it out and be friends again, that they're never going to win. I don't buy that because they've been friends the last 20 years and America's record is awful. So there's only so far you can go with friends and maybe being enemies is a better way of doing it. Yeah, maybe frenemies isn't the, isn't the best way to do it, but you also don't want Brooks, you know, mumbling under his, under his breath when, when Bryson's talking. It's, I mean, it's obvious that those guys are not going to play with each other. Um, you have had a Fun. pairing in the past. You have had a pairing in the past, however, with DJ and Brooks. Those guys have been partners in team competitions before, so they're going to either go their separate ways. In all likelihood, Jordan Spieth is not going to be on that roster, so it's not like you can just slide DJ over. Which really just make makes me prediction on that one. That really <laughs> makes me weep. Um, and, and look, I, I I get what you're saying. It probably is a little bit over overrated, but I still think there is some serious personality clashes. You need to turn these alpha males away from the idea of being these macho dudes who only care about themselves and transition them into team players for one week a year. I, I think that's harder than you're making it seem. And it's especially hard for a captain like Steve Stricker, who does not want to have to deal with any of this personal drama. Well, and this leads me to the exit question, because we've made it all the way through some 30 minutes without mentioning Tiger Woods. So it's breaking it down into two very, very simple questions. One, will he play on the team? And if not two, as a vice captain, I think he would probably be the one that would play peacemaker because he proved at Royal Melbourne as a captain that he's really, really good at it. Uh, I do not think he will be on the team, no. But as a vice captain who's going to be in charge of his own pod, yes, I do. And I would certainly expect that Bryson would be in that pod. Put uh, all the trouble as... children with him. He loves Bryson. He loves that golf nerdy stuff. I mean, he's found but, a way to deal with Patrick Reed if he makes it on the Bryson, team. Bryson, Bryson and Patrick Reed like each other. I think they would welcome the opportunity to play together. Probably. And when you think about their skill sets, they actually complement each other quite nicely. A guy who, like Bryson who's to cover up the ball and a player like Patrick Reed, who's one of the best short game players and putters on the PGA Tour. I, I, I think certainly if Tiger is going to be a vice captain, Bryson and Patrick Reed are going to be in that pod together I think the, bigger pod. Issue, the bigger issue is what do you do with brooks and dj do you split them in the in different pods but you can't really do that because their skill sets are so similar that you'd that you would want to put them together especially in like a four ball setting uh yeah but i mean their, their success together hasn't been great so i don't know that you necessarily have to have those two even in the same pod it's not as though you, you need to, to bank on that. I think you can spread the wealth around. Uh, Kaz points out in the group chat that Tiger Woods is 17th 
in the Ryder Cup rankings yeah, right I just now. don't I just don't see it happening. Do you? And he also points out I missed this, Kaz. This was a good one when we brought up the blank question about Bryson DeChambeau. He's going to break his body, is Kaz's answer. Very good. I like that. He probably is going to break his body. That's probably the best answer I heard. That's a little that's a little pessimistic, isn't it? It's a little dark. Uh before we get out of here, what did you cook for Christmas? I always want to hear your cooking tale. Uh, let's see. So did I, did I discuss how my mother-in-law makes beef tenderloin? I was too, I was too afraid to butcher a hundred dollar piece of meat. You did. Uh, okay. So that. I had, I had the mother-in-law. She did a terrific job. Uh, it was a perfect medium rare, maybe even, uh, airing on the side of rare. Uh, but that was delicious. Did a Christmas ham, of course. What I did not do, and I'm, I'm already uh, lamenting the decision was that I did not make a prime rib this year as I was anticipating. I really wanted to make one for new year's day uh to watch some bowl games of course go dogs uh with that last second field goal uh and, and to ring in the new year and they didn't have any they were they were sold out they were sold out and i didn't want to do it on january 2nd didn't want to do it third or fourth so we're just gonna have to wait until we're gonna have to wait until the holiday season in 2020 2021 excuse me 2021 before i can actually have a prime rib again all right we will be back next week we'll recap the year opener in Maui. We will talk about the first full field event at the Sony Open. And of course, cooking with Labner. We'll find out what he cooks for next week's wild card weekend. That's it for this week's Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.